Welcome to episode 497 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, September 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? It's September 17th. Dude. September 17th. Season's almost over. He said 19th. Oh. <laughs> I was like... I thought you were a little mentally. Yeah, I said the wrong date. I know, well, I want the season just to end already, but that's like two days in advance. I'm just skipping, yeah, I'm just skipping time now. You know what's weird about that? You mentioned that, that I said the wrong date. Right now, on my iPad, uh, the MLB at Bad App is um, like off a date. So, for example, it says Saturday, September 16th, but it has all of today's Well, I think date. mine's stuck in August because there's an image on there that has Chris Archer. It says, Rays playoff chances dwindling. I'm like, um... Yeah, that was like August 5th, um, but it's still there as of yesterday. I just have to laugh when I see that. So I don't know. Maybe they got something going on there uh, if anybody else is having that issue. I kept looking at them, and I'm like, they've got the 10. You know, they they remind me a little bit of the Mariners, both teams. You know, you could see how they get there. You could see the talent coming together, but it never really coalesced. you know, for for the whole deal. Well, hey, you, you give Trevor Plouffe too many at bats, you leave Willie Adamas and Brent Honeywell and, and some of the other guys down the farm. Um, you know, this is what you get. As, as our good friend Joe Sheehan said, not Brent Honeywell has been pretty damn awful in the second half. Exactly. Um, I haven't written that article up to look at not Brent Honeywell and who's pitched in games where he could have. Um, but when he got that little suspension late in the season, I, you have to figure it was in reaction to not getting called up. And apparently he's not going to get called up either. And I- I, I bet a lot of your article will be uh, hitting on Jake Odorizzi and, and how poorly he's done because he's been he's been a problem Actually, there. And here's the thing. It. I mean, he you know, Matt Boyd was kind of the distraction today, but Odorizzi did take a no-hitter into the sixth. It's the second time this month he's done that. And we, You and I talked about how September leads to a lot of craziness. Well, Odorizzi had a really bad game against Boston. Or, no, against New York the other day because Trevor Plouffe, Trevor Plouffe the ball. Uh, it should have been uh, uh, the third out of the inning, and he just played it uh, like it was you know, contagious with with the plague and let it go by. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's six more runs in an inning that never that never should have happened. Uh, you know that kind of thing. So, but uh, he, he's actually pitched well in September. That said, he's pitching his last games to Tampa Bay because his butt's gone after the season somewhere. He uh, Cobb's a free agent. No, is just going to be gone. I think Odorizzi even. Even not coming off of a great year, but not being a free agent until 2020, he's still going to draw attention. I think there's a team that could get him at a relative discount and maybe still get something out of him. This is his worst year uh, after after some strong seasons. I really like Jake Odorizzi. I expected more. But, uh, yeah, that's actually interesting uh, name to invoke there because it's that same sort of, hey, this guy looks pretty good, pretty good, and then just kind of a jump off. I mean, 2.0 homers was the big deal with Odorizzi this year. But uh, let, let's dive in on, on what we have on the on the topic sheet here. Well, I want to talk about a young guy uh, who's dominating with, with power. We'll talk a little bit more of the either-or 2018s. And then we're going to get into a bunch of two-starters and just mention starter Sid and, and some of the names you might be surprised that we're even putting into question. But with it being the last week, uh, you know, no names are sacred. we got to start looking at the matchups. we got to start tweaking things. So uh, let's dive in with the question of the day. And this is going to be Jason-focused because Eno and I spoke about Matt Olson uh, earlier this week. But you tweeted out an interesting fact about Olsen and Reese Hoskins together. So I was figuring, uh, why not get your thoughts on Matt Olsen, both what you've seen so far uh, in comparison to Hoskins, and then what you expect next year out of Matt Olsen? 
Yeah, so I was uh, listening to you guys uh, on the drive today. I took the kids up hiking up uh, outside of Asheville, and you guys were talking about. uh, Yeah, check that picture on my on my timeline, Uh, or if you follow me on Facebook, check out more of them on there. Uh, But we did. uh, I was listening. You guys were talking about Matt Olson, and I I honestly had thought he had more playing time than he has had. I didn't realize he was still around 170 at bat. So I am as guilty of this as anybody else. But if you know, if you were to ask everybody else who has more home runs between Reese Hoskins and Matt Olson right now, most people say Reese Hoskins because he's got most of the attention, uh, especially national attention. Well, go figure. Matt Olson hit his 21st home run today, right. and so between those two dudes, they've got 38 home runs, 78 runs driven uh, between the two of them. If I have my tweets, yeah, 39, sorry, 39 home runs, 79 runs driven, and in 298 at bats. Uh, that's just nuts. And that triple slash comes up to 275, 382, 688, 413 ISO, wow. 455 weighted on base average. Uh, 413 ISO, 688 minus 275. Uh, it's just been ridiculous what two have done. And when you guys were talking uh, about about the mats, uh, you, you blew off Matt Joyce because, you know, he's 32. But uh, when you, you also talked about uh, Chapman. And I think that what the A's have got here tonight between Olsen and Chapman at first base and third base is going to be really nice. I mean, honestly, Matt Chapman has been one of the best all-around players that I've seen play this year. His like defense one of the young guys that everybody kind of overlooks. His defense is amazing. I mean, he uh, all things are Tampa Bay, but that Tampa Bay series, and he in one in one of the particular games, it was him. It was his show. He made four or five plays down there at the hot corner and and uh, drew in a couple of runs. And I was talking to Jonah Carey the other day, and I was like, honestly, man, this guy reminds me of Longoria when he first came up. He's making that oh my kind goodness. of play defensively. Um, I know he's uh, I know he's a lefty, but I'm just saying in the field. No, no, he's Chapman's a righty. Olson, I'm just Olson's a lefty. Uh, no, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but at the plate, same thing. But really, in the field, he was just making these plays. And, I mean, lasers, very quick first step, quick reactions. Uh, it was one of the more impressive series I saw from a player that I hadn't previously seen uh, play in that length of time. And Chapman, um, they're both first rounders. Chapman was the twenty fifth uh, pick overall in fourteen. Olson was the forty seventh pick back in twelve, and they look like they're gonna be their corner guys pushing Ryan Healy to DH, which is his best position. He's not very good in the field, and I think Olson, I think Healy will get some burn at first base. They'll kind of switch. But you look at the two mats there, that's a nice right-left power combo in the middle of your lineup. And let's not sleep on Chris Davis, who I think still has at least one more year with Oakland. And you got those three. That's a lot of pop. Now, there's swing and miss in the games of all three of those guys. So I think we'll see cold streaks uh, from from those Oakland bashers as well. well. But you got some uh, bash brothers out there. You talk about Hoskins, right? He's 24, and and there's a lot to like in what, what he's doing. Olsen's a year younger, doing uh, you know, mm-hmm. sh- showing more power in very similar uh, plate appearances. It's about thirty-five different, thirty thirty more for uh, Olsen over Hoskins. Do you have Olsen as high as you have Hoskins going into eighteen? Uh, uh, no. Well, Hoskins is going to win because of the ballpark. That's really going to help him out. And, and batting average probably is going to yeah. favor him. To your point, like you guys were saying, fly balls, uh, you know, those what's going to go out in other yards is going to fall short uh, in Oakland, and that's going to happen there. Um, honestly, you have to view them even. I don't think you weigh one ahead of the other. Uh, being on Olsen's side is nice. Um, both you would expect, you've got to expect some sophomore struggles. It's what happens. As they go especially through the grind when you're performing of the this level. Yeah, especially when you're performing at the level that they're both performing at right now. 
they should go around the same place, but the ballpark is going to be a little more forgiving for Fosco. I think that's fair, and uh, I agree with that. And I also, again, think that he's got a little bit of a higher uh, batting average outlook just based on the kind of plate control that he has. Um, both guys walk, both both Olsen and Hoskins walk, but um, Hoskins doesn't strike out as much, and, and there is a lot of swing and miss in both Olsen and right. Chapman's games. So I would put Olsen and Chapman closer together and, and Hoskins above both. But the other thing, how much of a penalty do you give Hoskins for being a righty? Um, a little. Well, between he and Olsen, uh, yeah, Olsen's the lefty. See, now I I mixed he and Chapman up. Yeah, I I. Well, I am going back. I'm going back to the first base, the first base, first base. But how much penalty do you give Hoskins for being a righty? And that the fact that he's got to face a lot of righties, is going to be also doesn't have face as many lefties. So what I like to do on that is, is being lefty going to cost the left-hander his uh, you know playing time. If that's going to be an issue where he's actually going to lose the playing time, then I might bounce back to the righty. But I think with Hoskins, I think he's shown enough against righties that I'm actually going to, I'm still going to trust him a little bit more. I'm not going to hit him too much for being a right-hander. But I do think it's something that you have to consider for the exact reasons that you laid out. So I think the bottom line is uh, all three of these guys, Looping and Chapman, we like all three of them going forward. It's going to be really interesting to see how that first base, third base, the corner infield, as we call it, uh, plays out next year because you got guys that are going to be going in just about every round. You got your high end, you got your mid tier, and then you got your low tier. They're just always going to be in consideration. And, you know, I think some folks are going to play chicken with it and try to uh, wait and wait and wait and, and find this year's smoke and Logan Morrison. I think I'm going to be more inclined to get involved, right? And maybe not with a first round guy if the right one doesn't fall. But then, you know, I would love, for example, to have, say, just off the top of my head, like a Jose Abreu and then a Hoskins or an Olsen in my corner. I, I, would, I would like to have that kind of depth there as opposed to trying to uh, find the next hot thing as far as uh, p- power corners go. So, Yeah, first base is so weird going into drafts next year. Would you, would you think really how is. much – I mean, again, getting back to uh, – maybe we talked about this in version one of the attempt. But there, there, were, there were 111 guys that hit at least runs at last year, and that was a new record in the, in the 30-team era. Uh, I don't. I, I look at that. I don't go back and look at 28 teams because uh, we got more more guys in the player pool. We're on seven right now, and there are 29 guys that have at least uh, 17 to 19 home runs. 29 guys. So this this, this 107 number could be like 120 by the time the season's over here. Uh, and then you look at first base. First base alone, there's 22 guys. Matt Carpenter is the bottom at 20. And remember, we've talked about this a couple different times. We came into the season, we being the entire fantasy baseball community, with some concern about first base. There was like a, a group of six or eight, depending on how on who you included, that a lot of folks wanted to get one uh, because there was such a drop-off and there was just a, a cluster of uncertainty. It's like, what are these, these guys are kind of all the same. I don't want to get into that pool. And it didn't even include so many of these guys that we're now talking about, like Logan Morrison and Justin Smoke. So it's going to be a really interesting field next year. And I'm going to be interested to, to really see the strategies of it. I mean, McNapoli is going to have 30 home runs and not even hit 200. And, and not, yeah, not really be considered. He's, you know, he's filling the Chris Carter role. People take him late as a utility, like, eh, he's 30 homers. You know, what, what do you do with, like, a Jose Martinez, this this uh, late career Cardinals devil magic guy, who I think is going to be 29 next year. Yeah, he's 28 this year. He has 13 homers, 313 average, and 269 plate appearances. Nice. But he's going to be 29 next year. Like, what are you doing with somebody like that, Jose Martinez on St. Louis? 
Yeah, some I I don't know, man. There's so much depth. That, yeah, there's so much with this much power out there now. Why take it? You don't have to take as many chances. I mean, there were this year. I know I walked into like you said. I walked into it trying to uh, think that power was going to come down this year. We've never seen this kind of increase year over year over year over year or three years. We had seen it back to back, but never see it three straight. So yes. I was out there looking. Okay, maybe this guy will do it. Like the Tim Beckham pick really played out well. Um, but you know, I didn't end up with a smoke, and I didn't end up with a Morris, and I didn't end up with an Alonzo. Oh, I did want Alonzo. I just didn't end up with him because the you know the process change was something that definitely intrigued me uh, to that point. But there were there was there's enough safer power plays out there where you don't have to. I want to go get this guy. Like talk like you guys when you were talking about Gerald Cotton. Like you don't have to pay to go get the guy. No, he should be pretty much free. Yeah. If I'm if you're gonna make me if you're gonna make me spend money on Olsen or Hoskins next year, I will go ahead and and try to find and and, and save the money and try to find next year's Smoke, next year's Morris, and next year's Alonzo. So that's that again. That's going to be one strategy that I think is going to be employed a lot, and I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out because I'm kind of closer to the other end where I'm like, okay, if I can get Goldie or Votto, I'll take that stud off the top. And then I will get a Hoskins and, and slot him in. So uh, I'm really already excited for 2018 team building. Uh, it's because you're in, doing a draft uh, in like six weeks. <laughs> I, I, I just I, well, I just started one too, a mock draft with the uh, In This League crew. And it just started tonight. It's a slow mock, so we're only about five picks. And I have picked nine. And then, of course, like you said, at Arizona Fall League, I'm going to be drafting a team. So this is going to be good warm-up for that. I'm already making my 2018 lists. There will be something in October with my you know top 25 starters, starting pitchers going into next year already. And that will change a million times, but it will give us something to chew on uh, right, right as the season ends. So with that in mind, let's keep talking a little bit of 2018 here before we get into these two starters. And I've been enjoying these either-ors that we've been doing with both you and Eno. Got two pitcher sets, two hitter sets. First, first ones are the pitcher ones. Steven Strasburg was pitching tonight against the the Dodgers, and he's just been he's been everything we expect out of Steven Strasburg lately. And I th- I think sometimes expectations get a little bit too high on him, and uh, he's he's spoken about poorly as if as if he's not meeting expectations or as if he's not great uh, when he is. And I understand some of the. Uh, I, I understand some of it, but I think it can go too far on Strasburg. But he's been, again, top of his charts right now. Uh, Steven Strasburg or Corey Kluber next year? Oh, Klubot. Okay. And it's not, I mean, like when we go back, what we go last week or two episodes ago, we talked about where do we draft, like, uh, was it, we had Kluber, Lindor, and Ramirez, were they all first rounders? And we said, yeah, you know, yeah. they all fit you know, in a 15 team league, yeah. Strasburg never came up in that. I never even thought about taking Strasburg there. And that's really where I'm answering my question from. It's the health, right? Yeah. Because he has one 200-inning season, and it was fantastic back in uh, 2014. Although even that left some folks wanting, and as wise as we are about win-loss record, and we know that it's not indicative of a player's talent, when we finally get the 215 inning Strasburg season, we want more than 14 wins. He went 14 and 11. So he didn't get support and he had some, I think he had some bad, you know, some bad games across that, but 242 strikeouts led the league, but it's been 127, 147, and then 156 this year since then. Kluber, meanwhile, um, is he going to get maybe three more starts or two more? Either way, if it's only two more starts, then he won't, 
he won't reach 200 this year, but if it's three more starts, he should get there. He's at 184 and two-thirds, uh, and he's been 235, 222, 215 the last three years. So Kluber, I mean, a little bit older than Strasburg, but but seems to just be money in the bank. And I really, I really like both of them. I can totally see Kluber going in the first round. I don't think I'll personally take either of them. And two rebuilding and two rebuilding teams in Chicago and uh, well three, Kansas City, Chicago, and Detroit. Yes, absolutely. And Minnesota, not not a team I worry that he can't handle. I respect that their offense has been uh, you know really carrying them because I don't think they have great pitching. And you know we've seen Buxton go off in the second half to go with. Hey, I just need them to have one good wild card game. That's all I'm asking for. You want them to beat the Yankees. They got. They got to make <laughs> yes. it first, right? I know they got to make it because you have the Angels there too. I know neither of those teams have pitching, and yet both are there. It's kind of I know. amazing. Well, I, I will say at least with the Angels, they have a bullpen. I got. I don't yes. like any of the pitching on the Twins outside of Santana and Barrios. Yeah. Like, there's not a single reliever. I'm like, ooh, he's coming in, sweet. Like Hildenberger's the closest thing, but I don't really know enough about him to say that. I'm super confident right. on Trevor Hildenberger. So I think I'm with you on Kluber. I do love Strasburg. He's going to be very close, but I think it's going to be Kluber. Let's jump down a couple tiers and talk about Dylan Bundy or Garrett Cole for next year. I've got to go Cole as inconsistent as he is because he doesn't have to pitch in that band box. Or that division, right? Or that division. It just... Also, that's what it comes down to. It's just too many. There are too many hostile environments for him on, for in Bundy. an unbalanced schedule yeah. for Bundy. No, I think that's completely fair. Uh, that that's definitely a major concern when you're talking about Bundy, especially versus somebody like Cole who gets to pitch in PNC Park. Now, you know, there's some of that Strasburg talk of of um, disappointment around Garrett Cole. I think it's a lot more warranted. I think when you go looking through his his career log, you see the one excellent year in 2015, and that came with the 19-8 and record, which was nice, 260 ERA, 109 whip. But then last year, uh, you know, he had some injuries that you can definitely give him some, some break on. But you know what's really interesting to me when you think about Garrett Cole's stuff? He's never had a season higher than 9.0 strikeouts per nine. And only once did he even reach that mark. Uh, that was back in 2014. Then it's been eight seven seven six and eight six for Garrett Cole. And then this year, home runs have been a bit of an issue, which is why he has a career worst 4.04 ERA. And yet, despite these these negatives I'm outlining for Garrett Cole, I think I'm with you on that pick as well. I do like Bundy. I love that at a point in this season where he looked like he was hitting a wall, and you know this guy can't really be trusted in 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 even deeper fantasy leagues right now, he turned a corner from it. And it was at the end of uh, July. It was looking really bad over the course of like seven, eight starts. It was a bad run. He only had maybe one or two sprinkled in that were good. But then over his last seven, Bundy's rallied. 274 ERA, 58 strikeouts, 11 walks, and 46 innings. So he's really closed with a bang. So I think he's going to end up... The reason I brought these two up is I think Bundy's ADP is going to be higher, Jason. I think we're going to get Cole cheaper. So I think that that's actually going to work for us considering we, we're more interested in him. I can totally see Bundy getting talked up and getting pushed up uh, a couple slots ahead of Cole. So I'm with you. I'm going to go Cole on that one. We can get Cole to get a better breaking ball. Or or, or trust it more. Like tr- pick one and trust it and, and use his secondary. So like I get that he, he loves a 96-mile-per-hour fastball. It's hard to crush a guy for being in love with his fastball, but I think he's got the secondary stuff when it's on 
to be excellent and and can get away from the fastball a little bit more. That changeup is awesome. I agree with you though. Maybe just getting one, the slider or the curve, instead of trying to have both. And my my guess is I think the slider has the better chance at being elite. It was. Go back and look at 2015. When the fastball was there, when everything was working, the slider was good. Now the slider has gone down to. Meh, I'm just looking at at uh, pitch value. How good's the curveball been? Has, has it peaked at as elite? No. No. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I think the slider might be the one to to hone in on and then maybe use the curve as a little bit more show me. I mean, he uses it at 12% right now. It's not like he uses it a lot. But maybe I'd even cut that down to 5-7%, shift that usage over to the slider, take some fastball usage, shift that to the slider as well, and get a, um, I don't know, let's say 50, uh, no, 55, 25, 20 well no you don't have to go 20 on the change you can go like like i said 15 on the change then throw five on the curveball i'd kind of like a split like that where it's mostly fastball slider change and then mix in some curves for uh garrett cole that's what i'd like to see i still think there's there's greatness uh trapped in here because even in a bad season jason he still has a 17 percent strikeout minus walk ratio which is really good you know, this home run issue kind of came out of nowhere. He's never had a home run issue, nothing close. He's always been good at suppressing homers. And then this year, 1.4 for Garrett Cole. So I don't know. It's just been a lot of wonky outings. This, you know, today is a great example. Five innings, three hits, four runs, two homers, four walks, and six strikeouts. Just inconsistent. Hey, by the way, completely related, but with, you just said a, a phrase that I wanted to jump in on real quick. Uh, in a, what'd you call it? A down season, a disappointing season? Yeah. All right, well, that made me think of Josh Donaldson, who had his 30th home run today. Uh, In 373 at-bats, imagine what could have been for this dude if he punched the clock like he has every year, 155-plus games the last few years. He is on fire of late. He had two more today. Unbelievable. (laughs) I'm glad you brought him up because, yeah, I I did want to point him out because there's going to be some folks who had stamped him as disappointment in their heads because they're only remembering from a month or two ago. And you kind of, you know, we take shortcuts when we think about players, right? You can't deep dive on every player every time you think about them. So someone that maybe hasn't given Josh Donaldson a lot of looks since July has him down for an injury disappointment season. You said he hit two more today. So that means since August 1st, he has 19 homers with, you know, just off the top of my head, adding these two months together and what he did today is probably something around an 1140 OPS for Josh Donaldson with, with 19 homers. That's insane over two months, one of which still has a couple weeks left. It's unreal what he's doing now. And so where I, are you going to put I Donaldson just, next year then? That, it, it's, I took him as a second round. I took him as a second rounder last year. That Toronto team is going to be a little different. And I think I'm going to have a very tough time not taking him in the top in the top 36. So in those first three, four rounds, right? Yeah. I mean, so you, to your point, back since August 1st, 306, 431, 735, triple slash. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I'm with you, and I think I think he's somebody that people will kind of be looking for a reason maybe not to take him. He's going to be 32. Uh, they'll bring up the injury and say, oh, he did it all in two months. By the way, I always want to be careful because I, I, do, I do some of this stuff sometimes too. Don't get me wrong. You know, you go in, you find something you're like, oh, you know, he did all his production in one month. Who the hell cares, really? Like, not many guys are cons- consistently you know, sustained over six months. Because he was healthy. He finally exactly. got healthy. He's I mean, true Josh Donaldson. 19 bombs, 40 runs driven in. 
uh, here over his last 181 PA since the start of August. That's dumb. I mean, he's got – well, the one thing I don't like is I was kind of hoping he wouldn't drive in another run after yesterday because he had 69 for the season. Yeah. But he wanted to go ahead and ruin it. But now he's he might chase down 85 the way he's going. Now, that would be kind of crazy. He's probably got, what, 74? or No, no. How many did he have today? How many ribbies? Uh, four, five. They were winning like six, six to one, and that was, they lost like 13-7. Okay, so he's got 72, 73, something like that. So maybe he could rally for another 12, 15. That'd be crazy because um, he might end with like 35. If he ends like 35, 90, that, that'd be nuts. That'd be... Was, uh, he had two runs driven in the... Oh, oh, so two solo shots. Okay, so he has 71 ribbies and 30 homers. That he even reached those heights is pretty bananas. Yeah, I think Josh Donaldson's somebody that late second round, early third. Ideally, it would be late third. You know, if I was kind of picking late in in the first round, get my loop around, come all the way back around in the third, and he's still there, I I would be very interested in taking him there. I'm going to be... eager to see where Josh Donaldson gets valued. Now, in this mock that I just started, I could see him getting pushed up a little bit because we're fresh in his hot streak. Yeah, you got some recency bias. Exactly. Out. After some time... He'll probably stay in the second round. You'll probably, you'll probably see him at the end of the second round in this one. I think we could definitely see that. So, all right, let's get back on track here and talk some some hitter pairs. It's interesting that we bring up Josh Donaldson because I think these two guys kind of in line with him. They're outfielders. But J.D. Martinez clubbed his 40th today. And Nelson Cruz... A guy that you've actually liked right before his breakout. Yeah, this is one. This is one of your big, big dudes that's uh, been hanging around for you for a while. He seems to get better with age. He's not going to club forty for the third straight year without a huge, or for fourth straight year without a huge rally. But he's got thirty three this year. His hundred and ten ribbies lead the AL. He's hitting two eighty seven. So who do you like better, JD Martinez or Nelson Cruz? Oh man. Um... JD Martinez because of the ballpark. Well, he is a free agent, so oh, they'll get, they'll they'll bring him back. I think they will too, and I <laughs> hope they do. I mean, he's been amazing for them. Um, Twenty four homers for them in fifty one games. I mean, he's just been he's been out of his mind. They'll bring him just back, and he should want to go back. There. Uh, yes, I agree. I agree. I hope just they can unbelievable out. what he's what he's doing there. Uh, and Nelson Cruz, yeah, in a, in a down year, he's hit 33, so he maybe ends the season at 36. But, you know, just he's DHing at this time. You really don't have to worry about him um, either, uh, we, although we said the same thing. He'll be 37, thing. Yeah, though, I mean, so, so where do you look at him next year? Uh, that's 24 for him this year, and that's exactly what I had budgeted for him uh, in AL Tout. I would love to. Uh, and he's pretty much he's earned it last time I looked. He was earning it. Um He's going to end up with 150 games for the uh, fifth uh, fifth time in six seasons here, um, and everything else still falls still falls in line. But the home runs aren't as special as they were when he was 40, 43, you know, 40, 44, 43. That's when nobody was hitting. Yeah, and now again, there's a lot of dudes hitting those. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's come down while everyone else has come up toward him. So you're right; that does take some of the Nelson Cruz specialness away. He's 37. You know, I really do like him. I mean, last I count, to see 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, wait, I, I jumped. I'm sorry. Um, trying to count how many guys are ahead of him. Three. It looks like 16 guys are ahead of him on the power numbers here. Home runs. Otto Bruce, Goldie, Blackman, Vado, Mustakas, Morrison, Encarnacion, Bellinger, Gallo. Oh, my God. He had a 490-foot missile today. The Smoke. Davis, J.D. Martinez, Aaron Judge, and Stanton all have more home runs. Than Here's Cruz. one. This is an impromptu one, though. Nelson Cruz or Marcelo Zuna? 
Oh, man. Just take the younger guy who's I'm only still, done it once. I'm still taking Cruz. Okay. That's, that's going to be, you know, I think that's going to be, they're going to be close. And it's going to be, do you want to take the young guy who's on the upswing or the steady Eddie who is going to be 37, though? So tell you what, I'd pay I'd pay more for Sano this year than next year than I would Cruz. I would too. I would too. And I, you know, I've never been a, a huge Sano guy. I feel like he's been a little bit overvalued at times. But um, and again, his specialness is cut down a little bit by the uh, by the extreme power around the league. But I think he can be top of the charts. How about this one? When healthy, about, he can be like a fifty home. How about guy. this one? Now that they're done dicking around with the Michael Conforto or Nelson Cruz. Ooh. Well, that shoulder though. That's the concerning part. If we start getting good reports on the shoulder, I'll take a second look. But I know that there's some grave concerns about that uh, posterior capsule in his shoulder uh, for Michael Conforto. So I would really want to see. I, I, I got I got to call uh, timeout on that one and wait till we get more info before I can really make a decision. I think right now I'd be leaning Cruz unless we got some really good news. Then I might be open to it because now you're talking about a guy who's. 12 years younger and and that that age certainly helps so all right last one here before we get into these two starts cody bellinger or chris bryant wow uh i'm glad you didn't have a snap pick because i wasn't sure if this was snap pick i don't think it is like i love what brian's done and i don't think brian's really had uh, a, a bad i don't even think he's really had a down year um when you really look at it it's his RBIs, which are not his fault. Jeez, I got my phone going off left and right. Uh, which I wake up. <laughs> it's mine too, and it's like it, it triggers me when I hear it during the day when I set it for other things. Um, yeah, sixty-seven ribs is is you know way down, and I know he has twelve fewer homers right now. Chris Bryant does two thirty-nine and twenty-seven, but his triple slash is nearly identical across the board. So I don't think it's been like a bad season for him or anything. But Bellinger's exploded. And one thing that I like about Bellinger, uh, that he does the same thing Brian does. He has chip-in stolen bases. So neither of them are just the power. So I thought it was a pretty good one. So how do you feel about those two, Bellinger v. Bryant? That, Bellinger's also got the multi-position eligibility that, that to me, is a tiebreaker. Did Bryant lose his? Because I know last... Yeah, Bryant only third this year. Okay. Unless I'm, unless nope, I'm you're right. forgetting something. He should be nope. only third base. Buck 33 at third, and then a few here in the outfield, and two at first base. Oh, yeah, he's got 11 in the outfield, so depending on your league rules. Um, but standard league, he's not going to make it. Whereas Bellinger's got first base and outfield. No, it's only nine, actually, at outfield, because some of those are overlapping. You, you oh, okay. up the right field, center field, left field. I think he's moved around in those games. So, yeah, he's not going to really – Brian's not going to qualify anywhere else. So you like that tiebreaker there? I can actually get I like with that, as, that. I like that as a tiebreaker. I think that's completely because fair. Because he is running. He is hitting with the – I mean, the ballpark is not hurt, clearly not hurting him. Um, and you knew, no. that with the, you knew that with the way the, the swing was – how the swing was – and yeah, to me, I'm going to go there. Now, it could be one of these things where everybody goes shiny new toy and he, he's going to go full freight. And then Bryant, Bryant, Bryant second rounders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think Bellinger's going to, you talk about shiny new toy syndrome. I think he's going to go first in some leagues, first round. Yep. Uh, I think that's a certainty. I think, I think Bryant will creep into some first rounds as well. Which is uh, kind but, of scary considering he was like a top five overall guy this year in just about every draft, right? Yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, absolutely. He was super, super, super loved on. So it's, you know, uh, he, he's going to fall, though. I think there's going to be leagues where he, you know, he's going to fall back and then there, the, Brian's going to be available in the second round in certain leagues. You know, I think a wheel pick this year is going to be really nice. Uh, even in a 15 team league, you're going to get two two players that you're really, really hyped on. And, 
it could feasibly be Bryant Bellinger. There are there are going to be scenarios where you could have both of them available to you. Just load up on those two at uh, third base outfield or third base first base, and then and then go. So, yeah, I I, I think I'm with you. I like that tiebreaker. I don't know, man. I'm still a little bit. Torn. I, you know what? I'm gonna go Bryant. I'm a, I'm gonna go Bryant. I I respect the tiebreaker that you're talking about. I'm gonna take the former MVP though. I think he's still I think, I think he's still got the edge there over Bellinger, but slightly. Those two are tough. All right, Jason, let's talk two-start guys. First, a little note, uh, Lance McCullers won't be available Tuesday as uh, expected, and that was going to set him up for a two-start. So no dice on that. He's looking like the earliest is the 22nd against L.A., uh, the Angels. I don't think I'm even starting McCullers this week. If if you're in a head-to-head where starts are so precious, I don't even think you can put him in the lineup with Lance McCullers. Uh, What do you think about that? Right. I mean, yeah, I agree. I bring up a story. It's, it's you know, last year in my home AL league, uh, there at the end of the season, the tiebreaker for the was categorical, uh, where you are with the category. Like you got basically, if you were if two teams were tied, so everybody got a point for where they were uh, ahead of that guy in the category, right? Uh, and so that was settled uh, because a guy won the category six to four. Um, the guy who lost the tiebreakers had he received just one more strikeout. One strikeout, he would have won the league. But he ended up starting like he put he had Tanaka in his lineup, and then Tanaka was a very late scratch. And you know his weekly lineups, you can't replace them, that kind of thing. And so, like when there's anything in doubt, anything in doubt, go with the guy that you know is going to pitch. And I think that's really what your what your theme here should be for the next two weeks, uh, because you've got. Cleveland's clinched. Houston is now clinched. Congress Astros. Um, the Nationals have clinched. The Dodgers have clinched. Uh, what do we? There's you know guys are going to start doing the, the minimum amount of work. Nobody's going to get extended. Uh, as I'm just as I'm reading a, a, a tweet uh, from Mike Petriello mm-hmm. saying, you know, based on literally no data whatsoever, it feels like I've seen a lot more starting pitchers leave with a lead after four and two thirds. I'm like, part of that is like there's 15 man bullpens at this point, so you you can do this. But that's what that's what I see. I don't see some of these guys. You know, just doing enough of their work to do what they need to do and then giving some of these other guys the work and saving these bullets. There's no reason for a, a Kluber or Carrasco to go out there and, and go 7-8 shutout or even try to you know, throw 100 and something pitches. There's no need to. Um, and same thing with the, all these other contending teams. So it's, it's to me, um, you know, we were just ragging on the Twins pitchers, but those Twins and those Angels pitchers, I know they're going to be out there. Uh, if I if I'm just looking for strikeouts, I want to go with a guy that I know is, they're going to pr- try to push him, especially the Twins pitchers, because they hate their bullpen. I um, hate their bullpen yeah. too. <laughs> so that that's kind of where you got to go with playing time right now, and 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 especially on these pitchers, I would like to go back and look at some of these guys. Uh, it seems this year is a little weird because we've had so many teams clinch early. Yeah, it, it really and yeah, there's not that many races, right? Even Boston, who is in a is in a legit race, they could I could see them clinching and then going going into shutdown mode themselves, right? It, you know, it's going to happen sooner or later if if they are able to to pull away from the Yankees there, and then they would they would be just another team going into shutdown. And I think the the part that you mentioned is September expansion, lengthening these bullpens. It's part of the reason that September expansion is. I mean. It's pretty stupid the way they do it. It's it's really really stupid that we play by completely different rules in the it's final. It's so month easy to fix season. it. It's so easy Does to fix it. Nominate sense. five dudes. Add, nominate, nominate five guys that you can over a three game season. Don't do it daily. Don't do it daily because then I mean they can. There's ways to trick that too. But let's go. Oh yeah yeah no no you 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 set you give them twenty eight or thirty like yeah. you said thirty man roster. You can carry all forty. Let them travel. Let them get used to it. That's fine. 
but then you set a 30-man roster for the series. Yeah. You're good. Um, and only way you can make a stipulation, the only way you can replace is if, you know, under if you have to put so many guys in the DL that you're under 25, you can get back up to 25. So if you, for some reason, in the span of two games, the first two games of a three-game set, had to put six guys on the DL, then you could add one. But obviously, they'd be on the DL. So you know, there, there's ways around it. But having 40-man teams, and not every team even uses 40. It's sorry, it's a rant. It, it's just so stupid. But Jason, it's actually my pick in the league here. So let's do this live. Let me give you an idea. It's Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, wow. Harper. Blackman, Stanton, Turner, and Correa are gone. And I'm here picking ninth. And I got Mookie Betts. I got Nolan Arenado. You got Nolan Arenado. got Lindor. I got Ramirez. I agree. I agree. He's my number one here. Uh, it actually goes Arenado, Betts, Lindor is uh, going to go next. Ramirez. So this is only 12 teamers, so I might be able to get back one of the Cleveland Indians. That would be kind of cool. But yeah, I'm going to take, take Arenado. Yay, we did a pick live. Woo! Okay, let's get into these two starts. Just getting your thoughts on starting or sit them. Jamison Tyone at home versus Milwaukee and St. Louis. I'm going to say sit them. Been really struggling of late. Those two teams are not walkovers. I do like that both are at home. And I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna try not to fence it too much. Like, well, if you need it, guys, you know, if you need it, that you you can pretty much just ignore what we're saying. If you're listening to this podcast at this point in the season, you need it. Well, I, I'm saying like, um, th- there's certain scenarios where people are chasing, and there's others where they're protecting. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so I don't, you know, I, I'm not gonna say it every time, like. Most obviously, if you're chasing, you're starting most of these the first handful of guys here, and then we'll get into some ones that are a little bit more toss up. That's all I want to say. But I think I'm with you. I'm not going to start Jameson Tyon here. We've only seen two really good starts out of his last uh, six or so, and he's only made six innings in both of those. So those are the only two that I should say uh, that he has six innings. He's won. He's won one game in his last nine outings. He has uh, his last. Four outings, three, four, four, and one strikeout. Brutal. So what do you? And the it's ratios are the ratios have been there in one of those starts. So and again, what do you? It's go- Brewers Cardinals. Yeah, like that's that's tough. Pass. So it's sit Jamison Tyone, uh, Lucas Giolito at Houston, home to KC. Um, that's one of those ones. I wonder how much he's um, gonna go. I don't know because he's looked good the last couple of times I've seen. Here's him here's one thing I I think you could say because you're talking about maybe getting limited. I think at the first sign of trouble, like it could be one of those where he gets pulled out of trouble to avoid the meltdown. But otherwise, as long as he's cruising, they're going to let Giolito go. I think it's going to be. I want one- to see workload wise. I mean, because he—that's kind of where my my issue is with him—is he's at 160 innings already, and last year he was at one. Uh, one math. 36. Not even. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. 136. Not dead. Okay. Uh, yeah. That includes the uh, low A. So he's got 117, 136, 136 Yeah, so that's, that's, that's about cutting it close. What else? I don't know. So um, are you concerned that he could be he one of those four one innings of guys? I, he may not get one of them. And then you're getting the I mean, Houston that, that's, a, that's, quite a, that's a big jump. I mean, like I said, guys, pitchers like to go, uh, teams like to go out 20% year over year. And that's, and guys, that's kind of flirting with it uh, for a guy that's already had and he's only 22. Yes. Before you do any of these, check check your favorite news site. If it's RotoWire, if it's Roto World, if, if, wherever you like Snappy to go. RotoWire. Um, I mean, obviously it should be Roto, but but check whichever one you like to make sure that there isn't any developing news uh, before we say. That. I don't see anything right now that suggests that he would miss one of the starts, 
But the, the tough part is on Giolito that if he only gets one, it's the at Houston one. So that's tough. I'm going to say, oh, man, I'm really I'm torn on this one. I'm going to start him. I All think right. they're going to let him pitch. The single league, I'm I'm rolling with him. I, I just need everything I can get. Single leagues, I think pretty much all of these are single league yeses, except for maybe the uh, the one coming up in a few names. You guys will know it. You'll know it. Um, all right, let's move on to Mike Leake, who's out in uh, Seattle. Hard pass. well with them. He's got, really? <laughs> he's uh, He's got Texas and Cleveland. I think that's probably the pass, but they're both at home. 18 and two-thirds innings with a 241 ERA, 113 whip, uh, 8.2 strikeouts, 1.0 walks. Who does he have? You I'm going to start him. I guess my initial reaction was Texas and Cleveland. Wasn't he one of the uh, Wasn't he one of the guys you were talking about, about uh, effective velocity on the 30 podcast? Didn't his name come up as a, as a short shot? Oh, I, th- I think it might have, yeah. Um, Maybe that's why my name. There was something else I had seen about Leak. I was looking... He he was brutal before leaving St. Louis. I know what it was because I was working on an article la- the week prior, and you look at the eight run runs, the six run runs, the four run runs, the five run like this whole stretch of bad baseball, and then he got to Seattle, and they're like, "Who's this guy? Never seen him before." And he just—I mean—he regressed though. Like that—that's that, the problem though with this with Leak is he's so like when he's off, he's way off, and he allows double-digit yeah. hits, and he'll allow homers, and it, and it's brutal, but. You know, it has been Oakland, L.A., at Texas, the three starts that he's had with Seattle, but they've been good. I think I'm going to roll with him because when he's on, he's he's really on. And, you know, through the first two months of the season, Leak had a 2.24 ERA. But then it was those next uh, two-plus months, actually those next three months, excuse me, that he had a 5.78. So yeah, I could go it's guardrail, the guardrail. Right, he's, he's, getting, he's getting some going over to the American League like, hey, we don't. And that always kind of cracks me up because it's not like you can't find video and you can't right. see scouting report. But I guess it's, I guess it comes down to I've never actually seen the guy pitch. Watching the video and that is, is I guess, is a different thing. Watching the ball coming out of his hand. I'd like to talk to a hitter about that one time. But it's like, why do these guys that make this jump over? And we've, we, I know we've uh, even talked about this uh, when it comes to interleague play. All of a sudden, some of these guys, you're like, yeah, this guy's getting his butt kicked. And he goes over and pitches interleague, and all of a sudden, he's good. I'm still trying to figure out how Obaldo Jimenez struck out 10 Yankees today, by the way. Um, I, 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 I. Refuse to try to even understand. I want to talk that. to the I one just... guy who used him in DFS today because I'm like, I'm going to save money. This is a sweet matchup. Never mind that the Yankees have outscored the Orioles like 80 million to five this if season. If he had some logic behind it, then I, I wow. just don't even know. I don't even know. Oh, wow, wow. All right. Um, okay. Her- Hermaine Marquez at San Francisco, at San Diego. Yes, please. I think, yep. I think it's just automatic. <laughs> he has not been pitching well of late. I think this is the dream scenario, though. You're looking for a two starter in a final one of the final weeks. This is exactly what you're looking for. I don't think we need further analysis. There is risk because of how he's pitching, but you don't get a better setup. So yes, on Hermaine Marquez. Doug Fister made a lot of enemies this week oh, because yeah. he'd been pitching so well that it was easy to trust him. Like you in terms of saying, hey, I've got statistical backup. He's been pitching very well. He looks good. Doug Fister's had success before. Maybe the old Doug Fister's back. And he's facing Oakland. What could go wrong? Six earned in four innings. My goodness, Doug Fister, how dare you? And now he goes to Baltimore and to Cincy. Pass. Does he rebound? Pass. Pass, pass, hmm. pass. I'm trying not to fall too much to recency bias. I think I'm going to start him. That's a very difficult setup. But before that start against Oakland, he 
faced Toronto at home, gone into the Bronx, faced Baltimore at home, gone into Cleveland and pushed, pitched a complete game, one hitter, uh, faced Cleveland again. They, they actually walloped him in that one. Faced the White Sox. Faced Cleveland again. He faced Cleveland three times in the span of four starts. They only got to him Thankfully once. He doesn't, he doesn't hurt himself with home runs. I think, you know, it just he had that nice stretch of five games where it worked out well for him. Uh, but there's the dominant disaster. I think the one thing that may play in his favor with Baltimore, if you saw the la- the Sunday evening game last week where um, where Trevor Bauer was pitching against Baltimore and just refused to throw them fastballs. And it was beautiful. I mean, he just yep. surgically picked them apart, and it's why I, I can never quit Trevor Bauer, even though he did stink his last time out uh, against the Royals. It's why I can never quit him, because there are games where he looks like that. It's like, I know you're looking for fastballs. I know you want them. I'm not going to throw them. And if I'm going to throw them to you, they're not going to be over the when plate. When he's in command, it's 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 fun to watch, because Trevor Bauer knows what he's doing up there. He just can't always execute. But when he does execute, it is special. I, I agree with you there, and so Fister can junk ball him to death. Going to since he's tough. It's very difficult. I, I freely admit that, that this is a, a difficult two-start, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and take my shot with Doug Fister. Uh, Matt Harvey at Miami, home to Washington. Do we really need to say much? Nope. Okay. Moving on. Martin Perez at Seattle, at Oakland. This is pretty much the AL version of the uh, at San Francisco, at San Diego. Now, credit to Seattle. They're better than either of those two offenses, but their park is still pretty nice to pitch in. It's not quite as uh, friendly as it used to be, but it's certainly not hard. So you look at a Martin Perez who's not great, but at Seattle, at Oakland, you're doing it? I am. And also being lefty and going against Oakland kind of neutralizes some of that, Definitely. Too. And and you could say the same thing about Seattle, with Cano and Seager and some of their best guys being from the left side. Ben Gamble's had a great year, although he's hit both sides. They do have some lefty killers, Nelson Cruz, uh, the aforementioned, being one of them. So it won't be easy, but it's it's one of those. We're looking, for, we're, we're picking on the scrap heap at this point, so I'm, I'm going with Martin Perez. What about Tyler Skaggs? Oh, this one seems pretty easy. Cleveland yeah, at Houston. They put I think me the out matchups. Too. Because these are teams are both competing for the, the top record in the AL. So it's like they still have stuff to play for, but but if they get into a like, hey, we're winning 8-1, to one, that's, that's why I'm a little leery of the pitchers. But um, they're, they're trying to win games. I mean, he did pitch seven scoreless against Houston and a baseline quality start at Oakland before that. Like, I, this is a guy that he caught me. He caught my caught my eye with the name. I'm like, ooh, Tower Skaggs, he has talent. But two disastrous matchups, too difficult. Got to pass. Yeah. Josh Tomlin at the Angels at Seattle. I've been to this guy all year. I doubt him for his entire career. <laughs> I'm not even sure his name is Josh. That's how much I doubt him. <laughs> it's I just, just Randy coming back with a new motion and pitching from the right side of the left. I, I, he's been great. I know. He's, he's getting credit where it's due. Yes. He's getting the. It's tough to say I'm going to start a Cleveland pitcher. But, you know. That's another good point. And you know what it is? It's when the home run, when the ball stays in the park, he's really Which good. Which it has. Last seven games, three home runs. Exactly. And, and, I'm sorry, last and eight you, games. Yeah, last eight can games, he keep Seattle and L.A. in the yard in their parks? Those aren't too bad of parks. I'm going to say, yeah, go with them. I think I am, too. And I'm an avid Tomlin disliker. So that should say something that I'm going to go ahead and say yes on, on Tomlin. Jack Flaherty at Cincy at Pittsburgh. Young Buck over in uh, St. Louis being a little bit overshadowed by Luke Weaver, uh, who's been dominant. And the fact that Flaherty hasn't been great. So he's getting overshadowed because he hasn't been, been very good. But he has had some, you know, he's been missing bats. 
and uh, you know was good at San Diego. Now he had that at San Fran at San Diego set up to open up his MLB career, and he kind of botched it. Uh, San Francisco whipped him up. He was all right against San Diego, and then Cincinnati got him. So he hasn't done a whole lot. Jack Flaherty at Cincy mm. at Pittsburgh. Indifferent. I'm gonna pass. Uh, chasers, I get it, and and only chasers, I get it. If you got if you got to go for it, and hope to strike it. Uh, rich there but for me no the at pittsburgh if i could just get the at pittsburgh start i would love to but in a lot of leagues obviously you have to commit to the full weekend or full week i should say so um let that be your driving force on flarity uh the aforementioned Drell cotton at detroit home to texas detroit's not what it once was uh what was that trip to texas no hosting texas that's this is one of those you know that's all right good matchup in matchup okay you say do it go yeah. for it okay I'm gonna get on board. Um, uh, you you know the risks, right, y'all? You're picking up a guy with a 5.81 ERA and 124 innings. You know the risks. I don't really need to outline them to you. But neither of these two teams, if I recall correctly, let me look this up before I go spouting BS. I don't think either team is elite in homers against righties. And even if the Tigers line up for the season, They've traded a lot of it in the form of J.D. Martinez and Justin Upton. So let me see where they rank in homers. Okay, the Rangers are second. See, that was the one that I'm, I have wrong. The Tigers are back down to 26. I'm passing. The the, the Texas tidbit there got me okay. messed up. I'm passing. Brent Suter at Pittsburgh, home to the Cubs. Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. I love that at Pittsburgh, of course. And the Cubs, you know, I'm not as terrified of them as, as we were last year. If, you know, they're all right. He's been a solid pitcher this year. Let me see how he's been since he's gotten back real quick. Oh, well, the only thing is um, it's been looking like they've been easing him back in. Three innings start, one inning relief appearance, three innings start. So let me see if I can find some info on how much they expect Suter to go. If they're going to limit his innings, that could be tough. Uh, Let's see. Doesn't say anything more on, on how much they're going to trust Suter. Here's what I would say. If wins are extremely important to you, I think you pass because you could get some four-inning, five-inning outings, and that that puts a burden. Obviously, you can't get a win in four innings, and then five innings would put a burden on the bullpen. But if you're just looking for some quality innings, I think you can get eight, eight nine quality innings out of him in two starts. I know it's not great for two starts, but Brent Suter, I, I think I can start him in that in that situation. Uh, Luis Perdomo's home for two, Jason, against Colorado and Man. the Diamondbacks. Um, yeah, I'm going to pass. <laughs> right? You like the venue, but yeah. the two teams is tough. I got to pass as well. 10.1 hits this year, uh, 11.5 last year. That gives him 10.8 in 293 innings. You love the ground ball rate, but the team behind him can't turn it into outs or there, you know, maybe we should investigate further and see how much are these well-struck round balls that are just blazing through the infield, or is it the infield defense? Either way, it's not really working. I like some of what Perdomo can do, <clears throat> excuse me, but not for this. I can't, I can't do it here. Uh, let's finish with, with Luis Gohara out in Atlanta. He gets both Washington and Philly at home. Now he had his debut that didn't go very well. I think actually it was against Philly. And then he had a follow-up against Washington that was solid, I believe. Let me see if I got those two teams right. No, no. His debut was against Texas. Six runs, four walks, and four innings. Wasn't great. But then at Washington, six innings, two runs. One of them earned six strikeouts, no walks. 
So do you like him home twice, Washington, Philly, Louise, Gohara? Um, I do not. I'm a little torn on this one. Um, and, you know, I, these are ranked, by the way, in order of CBS ownership rate. I think that, that you use that as like a sliding scale of league consideration. You know, we both said positive on Suter. That's probably not for a 10-team mix. That's like you know, 15-team mixed, NL only. So keep that in mind, especially when I say yes on Gohara. I think for NL and deep mixed, but 12 and 10, I got to pass because of the Washington start. But I, I like, I'll, he's got some good stuff. And I like that he rebounded nicely at Washington. So I'm going to say yes on Gohara. 12-team, that one's on the fence. That Again, chasers, yeah. Uh, protectors, no. So, okay, enough fence sitting there. There it is. Those are the two star guys. You know, we're we're trying to give you as much value as we as we can uh, in these last couple episodes. I don't even know. I think next week will probably be all 2018 focused because I'm just not sure what specific advice we're going to be able to give that's going to help anybody that's even still playing. I know a lot of teams have gone to uh, cutting out the final week or so uh, NFL. Or that, or some yeah, some yeah. I've seen a couple of tweets like, "Hey, I won my league." I'm like, "Oh yeah." Unless you're Mike Podhorzer, you can just call your shots. At <laughs> I, I saw that too, though. Uh, <laughs> it's like, wait, you're already Which done? But I totally would have if I was him. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I've seen some folks do that. But I, I agree. You know, we, I think we had fun last year with this, talking. Uh, you know, we did some reaction podcasts to some stuff we saw in the games and, and different things. I'm looking forward to doing that. I don't think we need to adhere to a strict schedule. Uh, so that way some of these games, like something amazing happens or a manager something completely stupid. We're not like waiting around three days to talk about. No, the playoffs, um, you know, you know, and I even talked about how our next couple episodes are going to be focused on 2018 players for, from the bottom feeding teams, because during the playoffs, we're going to be talking about those teams and those players will come up. We'll, we'll use that specific game as a jump off. And then we'll be like, Oh, how do you, you know, feel about George Springer next year or something. So that's going to wrap us up, Jason. Um, you'd be, are you going to be available next weekend? Uh, next weekend is a yes. All right, then I think we're good to go, and uh, I'll talk to you later. See you, man.